And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation with, to have with me today, Mr. Brian Wesley Harrington. Brian, thank you for being on the show, sir. How are you doing this evening? I am doing wonderfully well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, how was your week so far? Um, a pretty busy uh, week at work. It's uh, pre-registration time, which is a very hectic time for high school counselors. Um, but I survived it. It's my first one as a high school counselor. I survived it. Um, had a really good weekend. Um, also ended a 21-day fast with my <laughs> church this morning at 6 o'clock. So now free to be back on social media and to uh, return to my full diet. So it's, a, it's been a winning week. No. I'm having a, good, a great day. That's great. That's great. I know you just mentioned a little bit about you being a high school counselor. Do you mind sharing, uh, telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. Um, so, Brian Wesley Harrington, um, black, queer man, he, him pronouns. I'm a current high school counselor, um, but I started my career in education as a high school English teacher at Murrah High School, go Mustangs, and um, spent two years there. Um, was a student success coach, like an academic advisor for my alma mater, Tougaloo College. And um, last year, spent last year as a elementary counselor in Belzoni, Mississippi, at Ida Green. And then this year, um, became a high school counselor. Um, I love elementary students, but high school students are, um, I think, a niche and my passion. So um, got a job at Germantown High School, um, and I'm a high school counselor now. Yeah, thank you for that, man. So that's a that's really impressive resume to like not only have that experience of primary education from like the elementary and the high school level, but then also to have that secondary education with like the college level as well. So like I know personally, um, one thing that you've always said is like you want to make sure that kids are having school. Can you explain what that is? Uh, exactly means and how you've seen that show up um, in your different roles? Oh, <laughs> having school is, is definitely my phrase. So when I say having school, I, um, I'm referring to um, what is the school doing uh, to have school? Like, what are we doing? So, like, I could think of two or three things off the top of my head. Like, uh, what it looks like to have school to me is high engagement. And, you know, some some subjects are just not going to be interesting to some students. Like for me, I'm not a math person, so um, math is just not going to be a fun class for me. But if my teacher is um, engaging and they have interactive lessons planned, it's not them standing in front of the class, just lecturing and me taking notes, like I can get into it. So if uh, if the classroom is high engagement, um, that's having school to me. Um, having school is data-driven decision-making. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, not just, we've always done it this way, or that's the way the principal before us did it. Like, what evidence do we have that this is what we need to do? What student interest survey did you do? You know, what needs assessments did you send to stakeholders or teachers? You know, our decisions, everything we do should be backed by a piece of data. And so, um, that's having school and most important to me is like inclusivity. Um, is our space 
um, inclusive? Is it affirming and welcoming to all students? Um, you know, I saw a quote a couple of weeks ago on Instagram and it was like, diversity is being invited to the party and inclus- inclusion is being asked to dance. And so like having a space for, you know, our students, you know, yes, they can come to the school, but do they have a safe space, you know, for them to thrive and learn? You know, so that's what I, I think about when I think about having school. High engagement, you know, people really teaching, interactive lessons, you know, data-driven decision-making, you know, and inclusive spaces for all students. Yeah, man, I, I really like that a lot, especially this. So like in healthcare, we call it like the triple aim, but I really like how you essentially took that to build this kind of column or pillar, if you will, for like, as you were saying, engagement, having that um, right purpose for why you're exactly there. And then once you're understanding the purpose for why you're there, are you understanding um, the disparities and looking at the data to see what you can do better? And then being inclusive about that data um, as well. And so I I guess for my question for you, like um, where does innovation kind of show up in that in that space of when you think of engagement, data and inclusivity? Uh, Well, you know, we are in a very um, technological age. We also are in the age where students their attention span, especially our younger students, is not um, not very long for someone to stand and just talk at them. And so when you think about innovation, you have to think about like what kind of ways, what, what things can I do in my classroom to make it more student-centered? Uh, so for me, um, if I was still teaching, I was an English teacher, so if I was still teaching English, um, I would do something like um, stations. So I may do a little small 15, 20 minute lecture, um, with still with a bunch of engagement, but I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to walk around and I'm going to guide my students in their learning while they're in different stations. So they may be at station one learning about this part of the standard. Station two is breaking down this part of the standard, giving them ownership, making sure the classroom is student-centered, um, and then being super intentional about the policies and the practices that we have in the school and in the classroom. Like, are they, are they, are they equitable? You know, are, are they inclusive? You know, doing more than saying, well, you know what, kids like, you know, to eat outside for lunch. So we're going to let them eat outside for 30 minutes. No, ask the students what they want their lunch to look like. And whatever they say, think about how you can safely do that, you know, how you can practically do that and, and let's do it. So, you know, Innovation is to me is not just about bringing in a bunch of you know new equipment. It's really talk to the kids, see what they want, see what they think will help them best learn, and let's see how we can make that happen. Yeah, man, that's that's really great. I really appreciate that, especially like how you um, went into more detail about that engagement component and like making sure that it's student centered and um, having that focus on the student to where you make those true decisions. And so. You know, one of the things that I have always really wondered about you specifically is that you have this really robust perspective and diverse perspective around how education works. And I wonder what made you decide to choose high school as your niche, as opposed to like um, working with adult populations or college or even staying in elementary. Um. 
Well, I think for me, mostly it was it's because we I like working with young people, uh, particularly the high school students, um, but even elementary students. Um, it's because growing up was hard for me. Um, I had the, you know, the basic necessities like, you know, I wasn't worried about having food or, you know, bills being paid. My mom took care of me. You know, my dad was in my life until he uh, was killed by a drunk driver when I was 13. Um, but I had, you know, both my parents. Uh, even though they weren't married, they were both in my life. So I had a good childhood, but I just was always different uh, than my cousins and my classmates. And I never had anybody tell me um, that it was okay. I just always had those differences highlighted and kind of picked on. And so um, I wanted to be a person who could, you know, help young people be their best their best selves you know to let them know like whatever is unique about you whatever is different about you let's tap into that you know let's tap into those interests let me help you be your best self socially emotionally and academically um you know how to be resilient and persevere when people look at those differences and want to highlight them and kind of you know maybe bully you for that uh because i didn't have that and so I went to college with this version of myself that was not authentic uh, because I never had anybody help me walk in like who I was and, and tap into those differences. So I think I want to be for young people what I did not have. Yeah. And so that really drives, that's a part of what drives my interest, you know, has me interested in working with young people as opposed to adults. No, I, I totally understand that. It's like that purpose driven work. And, you know, I, I think that that leads to me thinking, um, as you were saying, your differences were highlighted and that sometimes people picked on you for that. Do you feel like in today's generation or like the students that you've worked with, they've had to deal with those same type of issues or is it a, a different like culture environment for like this particular generation? Um, I would say it's definitely more inviting than it was of, um, when I was their age. Um, the world is a little bit more accepting of differences. Um, and I also grew up in a very small rural town, so you know that makes a difference too. But although the world is a bit more accepting, um, I will say they still deal with the same thing I, I deal with. And so, you know, as I said, I work in a high school and I, I have students that come talk to me and they do deal with the exclusion um, from other students uh, because of their differences. You know, they may get pegged as the weird kid. Um, but what I like about my school is there's not just one, and I'm doing I'm doing air quotes, weird kid. You know, they can find community as opposed to when I was in school, you know, it was like me. I feel like I was the only one. Yeah. Um, with, with these kids now, I think they have uh, they can find community a, a little bit more, especially because of social media. You know, they can find people like them on TikTok or Instagram and they can build community. So uh, I think that helps them. Um, is, is it enough? No. Um, as I think schools should really work hard to be sure these kids are safe and, and um, you know, not bullied or not made to feel different uh, because of their uniqueness um, or the things that are unique about them. Yeah, um, but it is definitely they do have a I think a better chance than I did at the age in two thousand five. You know. Yeah. So, 
I, I really like that, especially the way that you paint this picture. I look at it kind of like a tool belt. Like they're still facing the same problems, right? Like whether right, it's right. a um, like a big issue where you're the one person and everyone is being um, this big monster attacking you, or if uh, you're a couple, a community, and it's just a few little. Um, disturbances I'll call it like that but regardless of the situation you're still facing these issues and you kind of have to have those tools and you mentioned like community and like the importance of that and like you know I I wonder like with this particular generation being so good at forming community which is something that I think is you know inherently about human nature right like when you're the the only one like just like you were saying like it's your purpose for doing this is because you don't want someone to feel like the only one ever again. And I'm sure that there were others who felt exactly the same way, way and created this accepting or more accepting culture that we're starting to see into the world. But there's still um, those disturbances there. And um, being able to have the appropriate tools and having the right skills to navigate or cope with some of those issues I know you talked about some of the things that the school can do, but like, what are some of the other things that students are doing to uh, navigate it in a healthy way? Or what are some of those foundational skills that you're sharing with the students um, as a way to help them navigate and um, uh, go through this particular phase in their life? Well, a lot of them, um, are very conscious about what's going on around them. Mm. And so um, they are very outspoken. Um, they're very outspoken, which is good. Sometimes, though, I try to get them to see that in the classroom, you know, with the teacher, outspoken can turn to disrespect very quickly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you have to really, like, know how to articulate your point. And so I try to teach them like how to articulate the point, like when is the proper time to address this issue, you know. Um, also, I work on with them on resilience, like talking about setting boundaries and resilience. So for me, uh, resilience, you know, how to push through uh, when you have obstacles in your way, like how do you keep going, how do you persevere, and then setting boundaries in the sense of if you're there's an issue going on. Um, you're in a school, there's a, you know, we had a lot of police brutality um, really hit the, really um, come to light with George Floyd. I remember working at that time in mental health. And so I wasn't in the school, but I wondered like, what did that look like in a school, particularly with uh, young black men being the minority? Like, how did it look for them to be in a space where all they saw around them was white people. Like, how did it look for them? How did they feel? Yeah. And so, I mean, resilience in the sense of how to walk in that space and keep your head up and, and how to articulate yourself when you feel like you're being disrespected or somebody's being insensitive. And then boundaries in the sense of, you know, you may need to log off social media for two weeks. You may can't handle taking in that content um, right now. Or you may have to um, miss this event, you know, with these people tonight because you just are not in the right headspace for it. So 
um, how to articulate themselves, you know, resilience, um, you know, other coping skills, and then also just setting healthy boundaries um, when issues come up, you know, how to pull back from the media, you know, where it's not in your face. But sometimes hearing so much about it is just not healthy. Yeah. No, I really like that. I was actually drawing a little picture around what you were saying with that. And the way that I kind of heard you say it is that you have to be able to set your boundaries, you know, um, understanding yeah. self and being saying like, this is who I am as an individual. You know, this makes me happy. This makes me sad. If you're making me sad, you know, I'm gonna have to let you know. And being resilient because you made me sad. Now I have to, um, work myself back up to being where I'm at 100%. And I feel like we can go on a whole other different like conversation around that. But I think that that's a really good foundational like understanding, like how do you advocate for yourself? How do you even set boundaries? Like I know personally for myself, like (laughs) that's something that I'm learning how to do um, in different areas (laughs) of my life. And absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. Boundary setting is very, difficult for me. It's easy for me to tell somebody that they need to do it and I can walk into the steps. Um, I'm getting better at it, but it is something that's difficult for me, but it is so necessary. I mean, every time we say yes, we want to say no. I mean, it's, it, you know, that's, that's a boundary. That's, that's an unhealthy boundary. Yeah. You know, we haven't set a boundary. Uh, when we allow, and we allow people to treat us certain ways. If you don't say, you know what, when you do this, it makes me feel blank. Mm-hmm. When you do blank, I feel blank. When we don't do that, we're letting these people think, well, you know what? It's okay to treat me this way. Right. It's okay to talk to me that way. It's okay not to text me back for four days and then pop up and respond, you know, asking, you know, WYD on the fifth day. You know, we're <laughs> letting them know, yeah. this, we're, thinking, we're letting them think this is okay uh, because we haven't set a boundary. We haven't spoken up for ourselves. Uh, which, you know, like you said, the whole other conversation. Uh, but bottom line, we need to set healthy boundaries. And that's what I try to teach my students. Yeah, no, I get that. So let me ask you this then. So you talked about a little bit with um, students being really outspoken and learning about like communication, especially when we're talking around like setting boundaries, being resilient, advocating for oneself, like one has to have the skills to learn how to best even articulate that. Like even when, you know, like you were saying in your example, students sometimes um, try to advocate for yourself, but it comes across being rude. And so like understanding how to best communicate that. And then even with this whole social media thing and like what that has done, like you mentioned around the George Floyd and like police brutality, but like over the past two years, You know, there's been a lot of things going on in the world. 2020, 2021, 2019, it seemed like no matter how many times we turned our head, there was always something going on. And, you know, for me growing up, you know, like um, there were waves of things happening, but there was nothing else that we knew about. Like, I remember growing up in Hurricane Katrina and like. Yeah, there was a lot of other things going on during that particular time period. But because of my exposure to media, I only knew about Katrina and maybe some of the issues that happened around that. But for individuals or kids nowadays, they have exposure to what's going on, not only in their city, their country, but also like they're part of the hemisphere, another part of the hemisphere. Mm -hmm. And like 
are exposed to, as you mentioned, like communities that support them and communities that don't support them. Right. And um, what how do you think students in today's what you're seeing, especially with current events like, um, you know, I think about there's been recent shootings going on. Um, There's still the ongoing case about like the insertion Um, COVID cases has um, we're going through the Omicron variant and the issues that are going on with that. How do you feel like today's or today's students respond to these issues compared to like when you were growing up in like um, that that perspective? Well, you made a very good point about, um, you know, their access to the information and so how they are super exposed to everything that's going on as opposed to how uh, it was when we were growing up. Um, I will say, I think one thing I do see is a lot of students not accepting their parents' viewpoints, but determine, determining their own and their yeah. own perspectives. And I, I really like to see that. Yeah. Um, some of them would just, you know, flat out say, you know, my parent is, you know, racist or my parent is homophobic or my parent, you know, does not believe that COVID exists and they don't want me to wear a mask when I come to school and I'm in the store with them. They don't want, they don't want me to walk with them with a mask on. So, you know, my students are, uh, a lot of them are developing their own viewpoints um, and perspectives. And I like that um, because not to say their parents' perspective is wrong. Uh, you know, some, well, some you know, racist, racist is wrong <laughs> you know, from anybody's <laughs> yeah. perspective, but other little perspectives their parents may have may not necessarily be wrong. Um, but I like to they are thinking for themselves and not just accepting, you know, what what is given to them. Um, and so I think a lot of that comes because of, you know, the communities that they build. Um, they get with like-minded people and they talk and they develop their ideas. And um, I think that's a really good thing. And I think that's probably why we see more inclusion and more acceptance uh, with certain things um, now as opposed to when we were their age. Yeah. And so let me, I, that kind of triggers me, like with this kind of passion-driven work that you have in this perspective, is there like an association or a group that you work with that, um, I know you do work with um, your local like organization, like for fellow counselors. Do y'all focus on like some of these type of key topics or how do you, um, within your communities, I would say, like, um, provide and spread these kind of resources for students and um, learn how to address the issues that are being acknowledged. Yes, yeah, so I do work with my local um, counseling association and um, our our conference last year um, had an anti-racist theme. And so um, a lot of information was given out. Um, it's a very, it's a diverse group of people. Um, they're black, white, um, Asian, you know, so different cultures, different races are represented. Um, mostly, predominantly women, uh, because, you know, it's, it's a female dominated uh, profession. Um, but diverse group of people receive the information. That? And I felt like it was well received. So I, I do it that way. Um, also, I spend a lot of time on social media <laughs> like the kids do. Um, <laughs> but I try to make it productive time. So I follow a lot of educators and counselors 
who are doing this kind of work. And that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from, um, from them. I also love to read. Um, so mm. anything literature that's out there, whether it's a book, it's an article, it's a podcast, you know, I'm always trying to learn like how I can, you know, what can I put in my toolbox to help my kids or to help do this work. Um, so yeah, social media, my counseling organization, um, the national organization I'm a part of, like ACA and ASCA, and the community I built myself on um, social media. Nice. I, I really like that. And I like how you brought that back as far as your toolbox. So like, what's one thing that you've um, learned either from your students or like your communities that um, you've taken away as your own personal tool and had to modify in your own life? Hmm. Um, I will say, well, there are several I can think of, but I think the one I want to say is it's okay to start over. Mm. I think I've learned that from my kids because they come in and on Monday at 10, I'm talking to, you know, girl, let's call her Abby, talking to Abby. Abby is all in love with Parker and her job at Hobby Lobby. And <laughs> she's super excited about it. I mean, just gushing, smiling ear to ear. And then Wednesday at 3.15, <laughs> Abby comes in and she now works at Academy Sports because she hated Hobby Lobby yeah. and her and Parker are not speaking and she is happy again about her job at Academy so it's, it's just you know that's just a very basic example but like it's okay to start over like if it you, you tried it no it didn't really work out you know no need to make yourself stay there because people are going to say that you know oh you always switching up or you know trying to stay there just to you know for resume purposes, like it's okay to start over. Yeah, it's okay to start over. It's okay to try something. If it doesn't work, you can stop doing it and start over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something I have really um, tried to implement in my life. Um, that's why I ended up at the school I'm at now. You know, I was comfortable where I was, but I knew that I wanted a little bit more, and I wanted a different. Um, I wanted a different age group. I wanted high school students. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to switch schools this year and come down here? Or am I going to stay two or three more years just, you know, uh, for resume purposes? And, you know, so people won't say I'm bouncing around from school to school. And I had to realize, listen, I'm living for Brian. I'm not living for anybody else. And if this is what I want to do, it's okay to start over. I can go down here and I can learn this system and I can learn how to work with these kids, you know, within this high school counseling curriculum. And it's okay to start over. I can do it. Yeah. So thinking about living for yourself, I really like how you say that. What would you say is next for Brian? Is it like working more in the high school counseling field and building up like that career there? And, um, you know, I know one thing that you've always talked about is uh, having your own school and working at a school where, uh, the kids wear, uh, the girls wear little dresses and the boys wear little ties and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, you know, so one, you know how I am. I'm all over the place. So, you know, I have a bunch of stuff I want to do. Um, Which is okay. But in regards to the, the school and the uniforms and the boys, that has changed a little bit. What? Uh, when thinking about uh, inclusion and, mm-hmm. and safe spaces. I'm not against the uniforms I wanted anymore, uh, but I would love to be sure that I am intentional about intentional about what they look like. Ooh. And, um, and you know, but that's another story. But 
as far as what's next, um, one thing is I would love to be an admin. Um, I would love to be a school leader. Um, I want my own school. I would love to be a principal. Um, I love supporting teachers. I do that a lot now. I like to give them a space to come event, to come and talk. Uh, you know, I like to talk to them about classroom management, some things, the tips I can give them to help them, you know, with the class. If they have issues with, you know, student, you know, behavior, that kind of thing. Um, I love curriculum. I love teaching. I just, I just love school. I love having school. And so being a, uh, a principal is a dream of mine. Um, also, um, I would love to be in private practice. So to work with uh, families and, um, and youth in private practice therapy, I would love to do that. And um, my end goal, I think once I've had school and I've been a principal and a district level administrator, I would love to end my career as a professor, um, just educating the next generation of principals or the next generation of counselors and school admin. Uh, I would love to do that. Yeah. So, you know, um, as you know, I like to ask questions where it's like, I've heard everything that you've said, and now I want to throw it back into your face and see like where you go with that. And so I heard a lot there, you know, I heard you say, um, specifically just, you want to be an admin, you want to be a principal and have school and, um, run your own school. And I, I heard you were talking about the school uniforms and the inclusivity of that. I think that that's a very innovative idea, especially with, um, being very intentional around how those uniforms look, because, as you're aware, there are individuals who identify on different ends of the spectrum. And with that, they might um, decide to dress like their dress code has nothing to do with their identity. Um, their, their dress code or how they decide to dress is more so around their personality and how they decide to show up in the world. Right. It's not necessarily their gender identity um, per se, um, but it is a way that individuals can showcase who they are. So I think that having that kind of intentional thought process for um, whenever you're looking at having school or being school, like, I think that that's really good. But like you mentioned earlier on, the skill sets that you tried to share is, you know, advocating for oneself, being able to set those boundaries and being resilient about it. And we talked about you know, what you just did was you you spoke, you were able to articulate um, and advocate for what it is that you want to do. You set the boundaries of where those are located. But the question is, how are you being consistent towards that goal so that just like, you know, Abby, who was having a great day on Monday, then they broke up and then had another great day later on in the week. How are you making sure that within for yourself that you're happy where you are now, but also will be happy later on this week? Um, very good question. Um, I am happy now. And the way I try to make sure I'm happy throughout the week, not that, you know, something won't come along that will rattle me. Um, but I just try to, I'm a man of faith. So I try to be sure that I don't, focus so much on the problem mm. in front of me um, that I exalt God over the problem. So that's one thing that I do. Um, my faith plays a role in that. 
And also, when something is too heavy, I, I, I don't I don't care that I put it down. I've learned to put those things down. <laughs> um, so if something happens to me Wednesday at 9 o'clock, yeah. listen, I can sit with it for a minute, but I got to put that down. I got, I got to put it down. I like I that. Um, I can't carry it. Yeah. If I can't change it or I can't do anything about it, right then I got to put that down and deal with it later. Or if it's something I can't change, I have to focus on how am I going to just push past it. Like, what can I do to be okay? Even though this obstacle didn't move or this person won't change, or this policy is here. Like, what can I do for me to be okay? And what things can I do to change it? You know, but as far as carrying the energy with me for the rest of that day, I can't, I can't do that. I got to put it down. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot because... You know, the reality of the situation is we can look at it just like when you're working out, like you're supposed to push yourself. Yeah, you're supposed to say, OK, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit heavier than I did the day or week before. But if it's too heavy and you can't lift it and you're going to hurt yourself, you need to drop weight. And mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. You're like, Mm-mm, can't carry this dropping it. And I can't carry it. Yeah. So I I'm really curious about how you personally drop things because I know that's something that I, I personally struggle with. Um, for me, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, uh, like a, a clear example of when I've had to drop something. Oh, started work this past Friday. Um, something happened uh, during an event we had and it, it kind of it rattled me uh, a lot actually. But, and I sat there and I walked around with it for about 20 minutes and I realized, listen, I can't control, the, the person who brought this on, who brought this weight on, I, I don't control them because I'm not their yeah. supervisor. I can't go correct them. Um, there's nothing I can do about this situation right now. So let me put it down. And I put it down and I had to say, okay, it's like I said, I'm a man of faith. So I had to speak some things over myself to let me know listen this is not my way to care right now you know i'm gonna give this to you guys put them on your hook and you know we can talk about it later um and in just a practical sense you know doing the same thing really you know if something happens you say listen i can't deal with this right now um i can't focus on it right now i'm gonna put it down i can't control that person this is out of my circle of control so let me put this over there and let me find some resolve within myself to make the rest of this day. And after you make it through the day, if you want to look at it again that night to say, listen, what can I do to enact change right here? Or what can I do to fix this? Then that's fine. But we can't we can't carry things and carry um, people's opinions and people's negative energy, like all of that stuff that comes and rattle us. We can't carry that alone and expect the progress and um, to move forward. We just can't, we can't do it. I think it was Tony Morrison who said, you know, you can't fly with a bunch of shit weighing you down. <laughs> I think it was my girl Tony who said it. But at any rate, it's whoever said it, it's the truth. You yeah. cannot fly with a bunch of weight on you, a bunch of stuff holding you down. Yeah, no, I, I, I really, I really think that you embody truthfully what, what we were talking about earlier today with that Simon Sinek quote that says, you know, energy motivates, but charisma inspires. Like today you've talked a lot about just coming in with the right energy, right? Like um, being that focused or having that purpose of why you're doing something and then having that, um, you know, the latter part of the quote that states 
charisma inspires and where you talk about having those right type of attributes and taking those right actions of setting the boundaries, um, not focusing on the past, knowing when to let burdens um, not carry you and weigh you down. I really think that, like I said, you really and truthfully embody this quote, and I really appreciate you taking on the time to just speak with me this evening, man. Oh, absolutely. I was honored to, that you'd even ask. Uh, you know, I love to talk. I love to talk about school and kids and stuff. So, listen, this was a lot of fun for me. All right. Sounds good. Well, I have a few lightning questions for you that I always like to do. So, uh, let me run through those real quick and I'll let you continue on with your day. Cool beans. All right. What's your favorite relaxation or self-care activity? Oh, very easy. TV watching and reading. TV watching, uh, especially. I love crime dramas. I love um, medical dramas, fire dramas, anything has to do with that kind of that field. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a drama. I watch it. Um, I, I'm also very big into sitcoms. I love sitcoms. Um, I'm super lame. But I'm going to be very transparent and, and admit that Frasier is probably <laughs> my favorite TV show ever. Yeah. I love Frasier. Love that sitcom. It's super funny to me. I love it. So watching TV, watching sitcoms, crime dramas, love doing that. Um, and also I love to read um, fiction, um, nonfiction doesn't matter to me. I love to read. Oh, thank you for that. What's your speaking of loving to read? What's your favorite book recommendation? Oh, I'm glad you said right now because favorite book ever is going to be uh, too much of a task to try to decide. But right now, my favorite book is actually um, this book I read every day called Heart Talk by um, this beautiful, um, beautiful soul, Cleo Wade. Well, I believe she's originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, but she's an artist and poet. And the book is just filled with uh, creative inspiration and like life lessons and stuff through poetry. And she, she gives it through poetry and like affirmations and mantras. And I mean, some of the, I mean, it takes the whole book is probably 200 pages. You can read it in probably an hour or two because they're very short, um, like poems and mantras and affirmations. So what I do is I try to read one, uh, one or two every day and just, you know, encourage myself uh, like that. And she is, uh, I recommend anybody read that book. And um, if you are on Instagram, follow her at Cleo Wade on Instagram because she posts a lot of the things in the book on her IG page. Thank you for that, man. Um, and one person you want to thank for your journey thus far? Um, oh, right here, I really want to get a Snoop Dogg speech right here where he says, I want to thank me. <laughs> um, it's hard to thank one person. Um, I think the group, I think the person I want to thank would be a group of people. And that's my first group of students that I ever taught at Murrah High School in 2015. Um, those children... Uh, those young people, they taught me how to be an educator and they taught me what it means to be an educator and and what that looks like as a, especially as a young um, black man, um, you know, educating. Uh, at that time, I was in a predominantly black school. Um, so they just taught me what education is and, and what, it, what it means to be an educator. 
when I started teaching, I had an, uh, a romanticized view of education. I thought it was going to be what it was when I was in school, you know, teachers going to look like that. And when I got there my first day, I quickly learned, like, that was not going to work. And so <laughs> I had to quickly pivot and listen to my students and build relationships with them to figure out what, you know, what they needed from me and what it means for me to be an educator in 2015. And so the journey I'm on, like the point I'm at now, a lot of it is because of what I learned from them that very first year. And I mean, I will never forget those students. I, I can remember most of them when I see them by name. I can tell you what class block they were in, you know, uh, all of that when I see them. Um, but they are who I thank most uh, for me being where I am on this journey. Yeah, man, that was really great. Well, once again, I really appreciate you um, being on the show and I hope you have a great rest of your day, man. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.